Hey friends, welcome to Free and Light, a podcast designed to help you slow down and live in rhythm with Jesus so that you can experience life to the full. My name is Josh, and today I'm sitting in for Tim as the host of this episode. So excited to be with you. I got to sit down with Tim and Kelly and interview them. As you know, each month we focus on a spiritual practice on this podcast, a practice that you can learn to implement in your spiritual rhythm that will help you live the life that Jesus offers and something that he called life to the full. So to help you with that practice, we designed a free online experience called The Daily Rhythm. If you don't know what this is, just head over to thedailyrhythm.org and check it out for yourself. It's a free experience that will help you each month with the spiritual practice that we are discussing here on Free and Light. So this month is all about the spiritual practice of prayer. So most of you have prayed at some point in your life, but if you're like me and if you're like my friends, you probably have all sorts of questions about how it works and why we should even pray in the first place. So if you missed the last episode, be sure to go back, check that one out. We talked a lot about those very things. And let me just say this. We believe that prayer changes things. Most importantly, we believe that it changes us. Okay, back to why I'm here and hosting this episode. As the four of us were thinking about and reflecting on how prayer is transforming the four of us today, a story popped up a story that we have mostly kept between friends for, I'm going to be honest, about 10 years now. It's the story of how God rescued Tim and Kelly. And friends, I think this is a story that you definitely need to hear. Now, if you don't know Tim and Kelly Shelton, they are the co-founders of Seekwell, the movement nonprofit that you've heard us talk about a lot on this podcast. They're normal people just like you and me. They've got a couple of kids, a really fluffy dog, and a busy schedule too. But long before they started this movement called Sequel, long before this podcast was even dreamt up, there is a backstory. It's a story of heartbreak, a story of redemption, a story of going right to the very edge of divorce, and the story of Jesus lovingly rescuing them through prayer. And that's why we're going to feature this story in this episode. I'll just lay all my cards on the table. I knew a fair amount of the story before we sat down together to even record the episode. But in this interview, we really peeled back the layers of what was going on in their hearts in this really tough season of their life. As I reflect back on our conversation, I can't help but see the timeliness of this story. In a time when the world is anxious, triggered, and hurting, it's bleeding over into our marriages. And I've seen firsthand how things can creep into a relationship and begin to erode its very foundation. If you or someone you know is struggling in their marriage, then this story is for you. My hope is that over the next few minutes, you can find yourself somewhere in their story and find hope. We call this story Donuts and Jesus. So it's just the three of us sitting here in your comfortable basement drinking coffee for me. Always. And coffee for Tim. And we don't even know what's in Kelly's cup. (laughs) Fresh yeah. <laughs> whatever she's mentioned before that isn't coffee, tea, or water with My lemon. Coffee. Um, we've known each other for a long time. And it's only when I stop to actually think about it, like how long we've known each other before before kids even. I don't even know how old I was, but it was like 15 years ago, right? Yeah, I think like 24, 25, maybe something like that, maybe 26. And so we were same church. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of different sides of town, but like that was the thing that connected us. We, we got to serve together and lead together. Our families got to hang out together. It felt like fairly often. And we yeah. were in this like pretty large circle of, of friends through, through our church and through the ministry we were doing at the time. But then it all fell apart because you left <laughs> us, right? We moved to Florida. From yeah. Michigan. Why would you do that? I mean, 80 and sunny in February is one reason. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And at the time of this recording, it's the end of January and we are, we're looking ahead to like our own little snowpocalypse yeah. that always yeah, happens yeah, yeah, and everybody yeah. gets surprised and clears the shelf. So I can totally see why, why you would have left us. But in a serious, um, serious way of rephrasing that, like what actually took you to Florida? Yeah, we were invited uh, by a friend and by God <laughs> to, <laughs> to help plant the church down there. And, um, and, um, 
and so it was kind of crazy. We grew up in Michigan uh, our whole life. And when Kelly signed on for life in purgatory with me, (laughs) (laughs) she literally said the words, I will never leave Michigan. Mm. Literally never. And then when you like brought up Florida, I was like, that's like alligators and sweaty mustaches. I don't want anything to do with it. Sweaty (laughs) mustaches. I literally thought you were going to say like big insects or something common. Sure. The list goes on. Bunch of Florida. Bunch of Tom Selleck. It is true. So much in Florida can kill you. I mean, oh, yeah. nothing dies. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, nothing dies. And if you see one, there's a million of them just below the surface. <laughs> yes. I totally yes. get that. Yes. So, so uh, the real serious reason is you guys feel a prompting from God that is then um, also reinforced through like close friends with this mm-hmm. dream of planting a brand new church down in Florida, right? Yeah. So um, uh, a great friend of mine, uh, who we were doing some, you know, really uh, beautiful accountability, like the first type of accountability in my life where uh, he's a little older than me. He was really discipling me early on in my in my walk. And it was just kind of this iron sharpening iron. And um, God was calling him to do this thing. And he, and he didn't ever even ask me uh, to, my memory, he might, he might say otherwise, but he never really even asked me. I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, we're supposed to do this too. And so... Uh, I have been called a salesman before, uh, Kelly. <laughs> I put the 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 sale on Kelly for sure. Is that how you would describe it? Oh yeah, you were totally like a slimy <laughs> car salesman. Yeah, and I can I can see, just picture it like a side hug, oh, but then the hey other there. hand stretched out. For sure. Let me show you what yes. your future could yeah, look like. Yeah, yeah, and God was absolutely asking us to go, and um, and so. You know, we'll skip a lot uh, of the how and all that kind of stuff, but ultimately God got her to where she needed yeah. to get to. And we went to Florida and we planted this church and it was a beautiful, really beautiful kind of 18 month run up. Mm-hmm. And that's always exciting to, it, to build and launch something new. Totally. And the <laughs> way I'm wired, it's exactly the way God's designed me. I yeah. mean, it was exciting. It was fun. I still had the same job I have now kind of my um, you know, paid gig or whatever. And uh, they were willing to let me work from Florida. And so I was able to commute. It was just this really beautiful thing. And so I was kind of uh, kind of fulfilling this like executive director type of role for the church plant. And uh, it was just, it was really exciting. And I think I was like 28, 29, something like that. Uh, yeah, 20, 28, 29. And so I had no clue how hard church planting is. At 28 years old. <laughs> yes. And thought, I mean, if, if I'm yeah, just that life being totally honest. Oh God, this is so horrible to say. People don't think less of me. I literally thought I knew exactly how this was going to play out. I'm like, I know what we're doing. Yeah. Because you'd done it so many times exactly. before. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> that was a joke. the pride <laughs> that, um, that I carried was just astounding. And anybody who if they're being honest and look back during that time frame, um, they, they now know it and they, and some much wiser older people probably saw it in real time, but. Sure. But we can also, we can, uh, just to give you guys, you, the bet, I'm not going to loop Kelly in on this yet. <laughs> uh, just to give you the benefit of the doubt, we can often interpret some of those circumstances as confidence, you know? I was really confident. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, but like, I definitely looked at it as that. Yeah. But like, like from the Lord kind of confidence, sure, like, Hey, you that. don't, you don't have to be afraid. It's going to be great. I've got this whole thing planned out, yeah. you know, and, and he did. So, so that actually sort of, you sort of answered one of like a question I wanted to ask, like, was this a shared co kind of dream? Was this a, it sounds like maybe not at first, but then Kelly, you, you come along, you don't just come alongside the idea of just in a supportive sense, like you, I don't know, for lack of a better term, you catch the dream too. Yeah, this is a whole other podcast. So, because yeah. <laughs> this was, I really dug my feet on this. Mm-hmm. I did not want to leave home and church and family and life. Everything's and, here, right? And I, at that point when we were trying to figure out if that's what God calling, was calling us to do, I was super sick and pregnant and we were embarking on this brand new journey and adventure. And so I was like, bro, you are messing up. 
my plans yeah. <laughs> get out of my way. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like to summarize, let, let me see if I can, cause it's easier probably for you guys to paint a picture. Let me see if like someone who was removed from that can kind of mm-hmm. paint this picture. So fairly newly married. How, how many years have you been married? Like five ish? Yeah, about five or six minutes. Hey. One kid. Just, right? Just bought our first home. First house. Up, pregnant. Yeah. Like newly pregnant. Yep. My career was starting to take off. Like it was starting to finally make some decent money. Like and settling in. Yeah. Yeah. So we got family <laughs> settling. And we have you, Tim, who are, you're you're successful. There's a track record. Getting there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but things are growing and always moving in the right direction kind of thing. So why wouldn't this work out too? Yeah, and right? just let me tell you about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it. So yeah. that's the picture, people. So just just imagine young family in, in every sense of the word, but like things are going well, at least on the surface, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Anybody from the outside would look at you guys and be like, yeah, Tim and Kelly, we, we, yeah. Lo- we love them. <laughs> yeah. They and, are delightful. And I would say spiritually to the ability that we knew how pursuing Jesus, both of us, we were serving in ministry at church. Um, you know, we both had people, we, that were in our lives speaking truth into us. They were asking us tougher questions. Um, and I would, I would say at that point, we, we really would say like, we're, we're solid spiritually. Yep. Yeah. And that's, I think willing to follow God wherever he was calling us, you know, willing to lay down some of the things that you know, maybe I want, maybe I wanted and said, but Hey, we're going to. And I think really, I haven't thought about it too much, but I do think that that laid the groundwork for what we're doing now. Because if you remember one of the things we said when we were, I was trying to sell you, you know, on moving to Florida is I said, I want to be able to tell our kids that when Jesus speaks, you obey immediately mm-hmm. and we'll do whatever he asks us to do period and the story. And, um, I, I do think it took like moving 1200 miles away and it all falling apart for us to now realize like, Oh, but he did something really good as we obeyed. And so it gave us the confidence to obey in a different season of life. So like ch- ch- church planting in and of itself is hard enough. It takes a lot of work, it takes a lot of people. It takes a lot of everything. And you didn't just go one county over, you moved 1,200 miles away. How did that experience of going 1,200 miles with young kids, starting over in a place that you didn't really know with not a lot of people other than this small team, how did that impact your marriage? It was so good before it was bad. (laughs) If I were answering it, what was our marriage like before we went to Florida? I would say it was all about me. Our marriage was all about me. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest. Like, sure. It was about me. It was about my career. It was about what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, and because you're such a people pleaser, like you can do that for a long time before it just, you know, breaks you. And, um, and then when there were cracks starting to show in my interior world, that like selfishness and, um, you know, all the stuff that kind of comes with that, it just gets magnified. And then not only was it really about me, it's not just, it, it, not only is it about me, but it's also, but you're also not making it about me. And, um, how come you can't make me happy? And in, which is obviously just a facade for like, Mm -hmm. um, I'm in trouble. And, I was especially down there because we didn't have all the family and friends. We were establishing that, but I 100% was counting on you to be all the things and make me happy in that, you know, only, only Jesus can do that. And that's a lot of pressure to put on someone's shoulders. Yeah. I think you could sum it up to say we had no idea what we didn't know. (laughs) Yeah. We thought we had it. Like we thought we had a, a system you know, and then like when we hit hard times, we realized, oh crap, we do not have a foundation or in trouble. And I think we can speak to like all marriages. It is not one thing. Right. There's not one thing that was like, oh, <laughs> there, that one thing happened. 
it's all these small things that happen and start right. to pile up, pile up and build up, and then there's stress and tension and all those things, and then it just collapses. So for all all, all purposes for everyone listening, like th- things are good. You move to Florida, mm-hmm. things become not good. Yeah. Like Tim and you know, I've heard parts of the story. Um, what was going on beneath the surface in your life? Yeah. In that season, because I don't know if we, I mean, we could go through like what went wrong, but I think it's just like, Hey, plot twist. It didn't go as planned. Everybody. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter what went wrong. Exactly. To be honest, like church planning's hard. Anybody's planted a church, they know like, you know, relationships get messy and sure. people's egos get in the way. And, you know, I'd raise my hand first for that. Like I, I, I was part of the problem, uh, a big part of the problem. It, it doesn't really matter what went wrong. What ended up happening was all of the things I had built um, my hopes and dreams on, which weren't Jesus, uh, my success, the approval of other people, um, the the sin issues I had in my life. Um, it just there was just a litany of things that. I had not figured out how to deal with them, you know, cause I, to be honest, some of them are black and white, like, Oh, I struggle with this. And, um, I don't know how to get a hold of a grip on that. Like, mm-hmm. why can't I control where my eyes go? Yeah. If there's a pretty woman in the room, my eyes just bounce there. What would it, why can't I control that? And when you, when that accumulates over the course of a decade or two decades, you don't realize the damage that's done to your heart. And then when chaos ensues, that, that unchecked thing, as an example, just becomes a monster. Yeah. It's and a that, slow drip in your soul and then it just spills over. Yeah. And that was just one example, right? Sure. But the impact of that, like you were saying, Cal, like it's, it wasn't just one thing. It was all the things. Uh, an, another example would be, um, I would say prior to, you know, eight or 10 years ago, one of the things Bill would say about me is he's been my best friend for, you know, forever. Be like, whatever Tim says, believe 90% of it. You know, not that it's untrue. I wasn't trying to necessarily deceive somebody. It's just, I would make it like 120% better than it actually was. <laughs> like they were this prone to exaggerate. Yeah. But you do that over 20 years. And it's been normalized. Well, you're just a liar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not even exaggerating anymore. You're just exactly. totally fabricating. And so you reality. put all these things together that yeah. you're really things rooted deep, like in, in like childhood things. Yeah. And then you put them in a crisis and you're like, I can't stop my eyes from going somewhere. I am like deceiving people and I don't want to. And I'm just angry all the time because that's my response to anything, anybody and anything that doesn't fit in with my agenda. Mm -hmm. And then what that results in is just a really, really difficult moment in marriage to where, you know, you couldn't even be around me. No. And I had a toddler and we had just had Harper, who's the happiest kid now. Saddest baby ever cried uh-huh. all the time. <laughs> and um, keeping peace, Tim, you worked from home. You were working upstairs, right. trying to keep things quiet. And then he walks in. The girls are excited to see him. He's just, needs, out. he needs, you know, a minute. He just took a break from work. Yeah. And the the tension in our house was just unbearable. And he would travel for, you know, his other job, not Mm -hmm. his job at church. And I feel like I would find myself just counting down. I'm like, oh, Mm. two days. And and he's gone for a couple of days where it's like, we can breathe. Because what happened was, is I I left uh, leadership at the church. It's a long story. It doesn't matter why. Um, No no moral failure, by the way, or anything like that. I I don't want to, you know, I don't want anybody to think that. Um, uh, but then what ended up happening 
was this thought in my head of like, but you knew this was going to happen and you still called us to leave Michigan and come to Florida. So now that anger that's manifesting mm-hmm. itself, whether it's at home in one of your two jobs right? Uh, and just random people, the lady at Starbucks maybe, or friends, uh, <laughs> yep. uh, is now, uh, it's being directed back at God. I had no idea how angry it was. Cause you know, you're yes. not, I'm not, I was not self-aware in that moment. No. And I, and like, I didn't know why you're angry. So I was like, what? Why is he so angry? And so not for neither one of us to understand the level and depth of that anger. Right. And then where it was directed, it was yeah. just like a sprinkler. <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> so we, Josh, you you know our friend, Mike. Uh, it, we won't say his last name, but this is how angry. <laughs> Sorry, this, buddy. This is how the anger expressed itself. All right. Yeah, t- so tell us the story. So uh, we had in Florida because every it was a melting pot. Nobody had family there. We did a thing called Friendsgiving, which is now super popular with people. So we'd have like 40, 50 people at our house. We'd cook a couple turkeys and um wait, pause. Are you claiming you invented Friendsgiving? No, 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 no. It okay, continue. Sounded like it. It did. It, 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 did. Like it, it did, but that did not. No, no, no. Pretty sure. <laughs> Um, it's pet, right? Yeah. So you're doing this thing that nobody had heard about yet called Friendsgiving. <laughs> you know, I'm on the cutting edge of culture. <laughs> no. So, but uh, we had a good group of guys down there. We'd play flag football uh, really throughout most of the winter, um, but we would do, you know, the turkey bowl kind of thing. And uh, we had been, it, maybe it was a year and a half we were doing this. So we decided to do a game on Thanksgiving. And one of our friends, Mike, was on the other team. And he was, in my defense, he was being a little like handsy in the, like, I gotcha. he was pushing me and kind of gotcha. shoving me and stuff like that. I don't this know. is touch football. Touch correct? football. I just right. want to clarify Wait, this. Wait, this isn't flag football. Touch football. Yes. I'm sorry. Okay. I know this book. It's touch football, right? Hard touch, huh? Yeah. So there was a few hard touches, but nothing that warranted what I was about to do. So he, uh, I come over the middle, somebody throws me a pass, I catch it, and he hits me pretty hard. Like, And I dropped the ball, and I took off, and I lunged full body in the air, speared him. This is after the play. After the play, tackled him. Like, he's a big guy. Like, he, he's he's a sturdy guy, right? And then it was, he got up, and I got up, and what the heck? You know, yeah. colorful language, all that kind of Ch- stuff. Uh, but all church language, right? All church language. Yes, people. it's a church touch <laughs> yeah, football. <for> sure. <laughs> but here's the craziest thing. Like, we sort of got over it. We played the rest of the game. He was coming to my house for Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, this is before dinner. <laughs> yes, this was like oh, nine yeah. or ten in the morning. Like, here's the mashed potatoes. So, Again, I'm sorry. So no eye contact at the <laughs> table. Total, total. So I had to call him. I'm like, yeah. man. Oh. I am so sorry. I, I have no idea what's happening inside of me right now. You know, we kind of laughed off. Like, oh, it's guys being guys yeah. or whatever. It's such a good example of like, you could have been at a four, but you were at a nine. Right. And that's where I was like, oh my gosh, I think you lived at a nine. Well, <laughs> and this is horrible to say, but it is true. The first six months of our youngest daughter's life, Kelly would not leave me alone with her. Mm. And I didn't know what was happening the first five or six months. Um, because I'm like, hey, go out with the girls and I got the kids. I was like, you know, it's just, just try, you know, trying to be, you know, nice, I guess. I, I don't know what I, exactly what I was thinking, but I'm like, and she was like, no, 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 I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'll take the girls with me and we'll go and we'll get together with the moms and then it clicked after like four or five months. I'm like, oh, she actually doesn't want me to be alone with Harper. Yeah. Because yeah. Harper was a little yeah, colicky. She, yeah. I mean, for the first five yeah, or six baby. months, yeah, it was, it didn't help what was going on at home, totally. you know? And then, um, and then she did leave me alone with Harper one time. And I, and it clicked like, oh, I'm actually not capable of doing this. Yeah, right now. Like, so I, I remember having to put Harper in the other room and like walk away. And I'm like, I, I need her to come home like right away. You had a kind of a moment of clarity. Of terror of like, sure. I, I, like I'm not happy with this kid. And that mm-hmm. was, you know. Hey, and as soon as she got here, you basically moved out of our bedroom. Yeah. What was that? What was that like Kelly on like the, maybe not the daily, but I mean, nine months is a long time for a scenario like that. I don't want to 
pretend it had ups and downs or whatever it was, but what, how would you characterize like that part of your guys's story? Ooh, it was tough. You know, being a new mom is tough. Understatement of the year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All you mamas out there know what I'm talking yeah. about. And, you know, when we had our older daughter, we were this partnership. And so to go through this alone, even without family mm-hmm. alone, it just, I feel like it really did something um, deep in yeah. my heart. Yeah. That was really hard. And would you say you really didn't have anyone that you thought, at least at the time, you could even process something like that with? I had very brief moments, but a lot of you can relate to this as well. You know, in seasons where you are leading or leadership, sometimes you don't know where a safe place to share is, or you don't want to discourage someone in their journey. So I very much felt like, and I probably went months without turning to Jesus, but I came to a point where I was like, I don't have anything else but Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the only person who's here. He's the only person I can talk to about this. I can't talk to my three-year-old. My daydreams, I was like, we're going to hop on a plane and we're just going to go home. <laughs> and like, we are out of here. Or I'd be like, let's go for the week to the Polynesian and Florida. <laughs> and the girls and I are just going to hoop it up and have fun and like just breathe. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you that honoring was... I feel like something God was really impressing into my heart because you're sharp. I'm like, what do we do when someone snaps at us? We snap right back. Mm-hmm. You know, when someone jumps at us, we're going to jump right back. And I felt like God was like, hey, Kelly, stop fighting Tim and start fighting for Tim. Yeah. And that was the turning point for us. You, was it Power of a Praying Wife? Is that what you read? It sat on our bookshelf for the first 10 years of marriage. <laughs> no, not quite. Like probably never, six or seven. Never yeah. opened it up. Yeah. Um, but that was huge and transformative in my personal journey because here I'm thinking, okay, this, things are really bad. It cannot stay like this. I'll die if our marriage stays like this. This is not what I dreamed of. This is not what Tim dreamed of. This is not what I want for our kids. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to change Tim. (laughs) Through that, I'm going to change Tim. And God's like, wait, 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 Kelly, look how sharp you're being. You know, so I'm like, okay, God, what do I do with that? And he's like, shut your mouth. Like Mm. you have so many words. So all day long, I'd be like, God, please help me shut my mouth. Please help me shut my mouth right now. Help me shut my mouth today. Help me keep my mouth shut. Because I was just shooting right back at you. And so in that, yes, I was praying for Tim, but God was changing so much in my heart where instead of seeing everything that was wrong with him and everything he was doing wrong, I was like, wow, he, he never complains about working and providing for our family. Wow. Look at how gentle he's being with our family right now. Look at the fun that he just brought in. Oh, I love that he'll do X, Y, Z. And it was like a shift in what was happening in our home because of what God was doing, you know, in that time that I was spending with him and praying. I really wanted to change Tim, but it was totally me and where, you know, my heart was desperate. I wanted a husband to snuggle next to me on the couch and I wanted someone to spend time with me and uh, go on a date with me and have fun and, you know, talk with me. And we had none of that in that season. and. Jesus was like, hey, I'm here. It's 3 a.m. You're awake. You're sitting on the couch by yourself. I'm right here. Talk to me. And so he invited me into a relationship with him. That was an intimacy that I desired with my husband. And he was like, I can fill all these places. Stop looking to Tim for all of this. And I think that I was able to relieve some of that pressure from Tim where I was like, bro, I don't need anything from you. Like, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Me and Jesus are good. I'm just working on that. But I will say, in those beginning moments, as I was walking in that season, 
there was one day where I was like, I need to know. I'm so angry. Something's going on. He's gone. Like, what is going on? And so I called over a babysitter and he was like, I don't know, coming home from the gym or I don't know, tennis with his friends, whatever. And he came home and I was on the porch and I'm like, hey, we're going to go for a walk. I'm guessing, I'm just guessing a walk was not the normal, no. not no, a normal no, no. thing. <laughs> no. Anyone who knows me knows confrontation, it, it makes me a little bit squeamish. That's not really, I'm good at other stuff. That's not... Run, uh, run away. My, yeah. I'm like, I can hide. I can repress <laughs> that. There's so many other things you can do. And so I was like, I need to confront him. And so basically my question to him was, you are so absent. You're so gone in our home that you've got to be present somewhere else. Do you have another family? <laughs> like, what is... Hap- where are you? Because you're not here. That was fun. And I and, feel like it wasn't, by the way. <laughs> it was a snowball of oh, like the ugliest conversation. We had a for, few of those. For the guys listening, uh, when your wife asks you, Are you cheating on me? Wow. And you weren't. <laughs> no, I was not. Th- but that things was, you wish your wife would never ask you. But I felt like. The stories, I think, in my mind, I just, I couldn't, the math didn't add up. I didn't understand what was happening. But unfortunately, because, you know, um, belief or, belief is such a high thing for me and I don't like other people questioning me, you know, when I'm not in a healthy spot, things like that. All of that was like, you know, gasoline on what was already an angry fire. And it just, that walk around the block, we told each other exactly (laughs) what we thought of each other. I think what matters in that is we did not have the tools as a married couple to have a conversation like that. No way. And the whatever good was being done, we just undid it. As opposed to, you know, having Jesus be a part of the process or wise counsel or whatever the case was. And um, what happened in the months coming was I pushed Kelly to a breaking point where she had no, nothing else to do but to pray for me and to be with Jesus. And all of these things kind of bubbled to the surface where I had to look in the mirror and a friend helped me do it. A friend confronted me and said, hey, what is going on? And he called me out and he was literally the only person that could have called me out. I would have steamrolled anybody else. But I respected this guy so much because of how he lived his life and his relationship with Jesus that he he called me out. and. nothing changed for a month or two except this one question of like, I kept thinking about what do I want my life to look like 10 years from now? And the thought that kept coming back is, am I going to be the guy that divorces his wife and ruins his, his daughters? Because divorce is so traumatizing for kids, especially um, little girls. Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking about what are my daughters going to think about men, their ability to trust men, their ability to trust their heavenly father. What do they think about me? And I just, I'm like, I, I may not like her. And I, and maybe even in my head at the time I would have said, I may not even love her, but I love these two little ones and I cannot do this to them. And so I was kind of put to this point of, I'm going to have to choose what kind of man I'm going to be. And uh, Craig helped me sort of get there by just asking questions and just being a a friend when I needed it. And it was um, almost a full year when you had started praying that we um, uh, went to church and they I forget who was talking, but he was talking about marriage and he was talking about selfishness. Mm. (laughs) And it was like the conviction of the Holy Spirit could not have been... (laughs) thicker <laughs> and that Sunday was just for you it was literally <laughs> so like pastors when you're preaching and you're like this is just for that one person it that it, it happens and this was just for me and um I remember coming home and and we just kind of had this conversation about you know what, what would it look like if I spent time with Jesus because she was already doing this and we kind of made this bargain of sorts and and so I I started getting up every morning 
And that, that, that's a, that was a new thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I did it for a, you know, for quite a long time, but just in the 18 months prior to that, I was so angry. You it, know, it wasn't happening. No, it was the last thing I wanted to do. And I will, I will all be honest and say, you know, looking back now, it was a very religious thing to, for me to do. It wasn't sort of that intimacy, that connection kind of a thing. It was, I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to pray for people because that's what I'm supposed to do, but I'm good because mostly because I didn't want to be um, confronted with my own guilt and shame and, you know, that sort of thing. But I started praying for her and where I, for whatever reason, I opened to um, 1 Corinthians 13, the very first day I sat down and I, and you know, it's the love chapter Mm -hmm. and I'm like, well, it's pretty obvious the antidote to selfishness is love. love. <laughs> so I just, I read it and, and then I proceeded to tell God everything I thought of him for about the next month. And um, so I read somewhere like God's big enough to handle, you know, our criticism and our complaint and all that kind of stuff. And so after I let him have it, um, I started to realize like, this isn't, he never left me. I left him and then I started to pray for Kelly, literally the words of first Corinthians 13. I'm like, you know, love is kind, love is patient, love is long suffering. And I'm like, I am none of those things. And it was like, uh, um, looking in the mirror and just seeing your reflection back. And I'm like, wow, that is ugly. And very slowly, um, God began to, strip away all of the things in my life that were preventing me from loving her. It took a long time. But once like things started happening, they started happening pretty quick actually. So fast. You know? I felt like that was one of my prayers is that God would just soften your heart and that he would come into those places that maybe you were, you know, keeping him out of in your heart. Like to just go in and reclaim those spaces. And so I felt like when your heart softened, like it felt like it was overnight that your heart was changed. So um, it seems a little cliche that you would just so happen, (laughs) I'm air quoting, uh, to land on 1 Corinthians 13, but it actually turns out to be the actual thing that God wanted to show you, teach you, and yeah. grow you. How does that begin to play out in your life? So, I mean, I realized Kelly is a professional lover of people. Anybody who's met Kelly knows that. Free love. Totally. And I'm like, you will work for my love. <laughs> I mean, and I'm starting to like, you know, I, I, I want to be like Kelly in that. So what I realized as I was starting to qu- quiet down in the mornings uh, be, you know, because generally as people were terrified of the quiet, of mm-hmm. the silence, like, mm-hmm. what will I think? Well, so we just numb ourselves and our distract ourselves. And that's what I was doing. I didn't know at the time, but looking back, I know that now. So as I was getting quiet, what the thing that kept popping up is I'm like, I do not know how to love my wife. I don't know what she needs. I don't think I actually know how to love people, period, with the exception of these two little girls. And God started to break down all of these things about me that needed to be fixed. Started the process. I mean, I'm still, I'm still in it in a lot of ways 10 years later. But one of the things that, that really popped up, which is super practical, at least for me, was, well, cool. I'm, I'm learning how to love her slowly but surely. I still don't like her and we have nothing in common. But this one beautiful thing happened. Our friends moved to Utah, uh, so still some of our, our best lifelong friends. And in hindsight, it was the best thing that ever happened to us because they were like, we would hang out almost every day in some way, shape or form. I think we like lived with each other. Yeah. It felt like I, college. I mean, they would spend the night at our house sometimes. Oh, like yeah. we'd stay up till four o'clock in the morning and it, it was just, it was crazy, but they moved. So we had nobody else. And this was a time around the time Netflix was starting to take off. So we had a Netflix subscription and somebody told us to watch Friday Night Lights. And I'm like, sweet, I'm into sports. This is football. But, you know, who doesn't love Tammy, Tammy Taylor? Taylor? Come on now, right? <laughs> so I watch one episode without her. And she's like watching in the background. She's like, I would watch that with you. And I was like, 
well, as long as you sit at the end of the other end of the couch <laughs> in my head, I didn't say that out loud. I did oh. not say that out loud. But so we watched an episode of Friday Night hey. Lights. And then one of the days, grocery shopping, I picked up some Publix donuts, grocery store in Florida, Publix, go there, you'll love it. And I put them on top of the fridge and we put the girls to bed and I was like, hey, I got these like glazed donuts. And we could not agree more that they were the best, fluffiest glazed donuts we'd ever, ever have. And so we ate way more donuts than humans should, mm-hmm. I think, in that season. Mm-hmm. But we would get this little box of donuts and like cheers to Friday Night Lights and agree that Friday Night Lights is awesome and mm-hmm. so are donuts. And it was something we had. It was the college. first thing we agreed on in like two years. And we enjoyed being around each other. We really enjoyed the donuts. And the crazy thing became is we knew when we went to bed that night, we started saving an extra donut. Like we wouldn't eat. Eventually we realized this is gluttony. (laughs) Too (laughs) many donuts. And Tim's going to have a heart attack. (laughs) Uh, But we started saving a donut out of the box because they came in six. So we'd have two and two. And then the next morning we could have that donut with our coffee. And we started to go to bed, um, enjoying each other's company. Yeah, knowing there's a donut waiting for us the next morning. Gotta have something to look forward to. That's it. So that when we get up and spend time with Jesus, it was there for us. And so it became this thing of like donuts and Jesus, donuts and Jesus. And we watched five seasons of Friday Night Lights so fast oh, and yeah. ate so many donuts. Yes, it was insane. And it, you know. We had nothing else to do. So it was, it became us and donuts and Jesus and us and donuts and Jesus. And what happened in that sort of like six to eight week time frame was a healing that came from nowhere. Yeah. We could agree on something. We found a common ground. And at the same time, we began to surrender to Jesus. And there was a foundation kind of building in that as she was doing her thing and praying for me and I was doing my thing and praying for her and the it was this beautiful like coming together of something we could agree on. And it was about a month and a half later that I moved back into the bedroom. And it was about a week later that I was like, hey, what if we asked so-and-so to be a regular babysitter and we started going on a date every Monday? And we did that for the next three months until we moved back to Michigan and it was donuts and Jesus and then a Monday date and donuts and Jesus and then a Monday date. And I, honestly, I think in that process, like we were becoming friends again. And I was learning about who you are and who you were becoming. Yeah. And I think the same, you know, for me and we were being in a relationship apart from our, our kids and apart from church planters. Yeah. But we, what became really evident in that kind of six months before we moved back was all of our hope is in Jesus. And I don't mean like the theoretical, like Sunday morning hope in Jesus. I mean the super practical, tangible, like I will die and destroy my family and damage my girls um, emotionally and traumatically, if not for Jesus. The only thing that could save my marriage is Jesus. We don't have donuts very often anymore. (laughs) No, I'm glad we don't live in Florida. Yes, that's right. But (laughs) we do have a picture of donuts hanging in our um, dining room. You surprised me with that. I did. I think for our 15th anniversary. I did. They're literally gigantic. It's the most beautiful thing It's a memorial stone. Absolutely. Of the faithfulness of what God has done in your marriage. Every time I look at that, I'm like, I could go back to that unhealthy spot faster than you could blink without Jesus. And so it's been an anchor for me every morning when I get up, we have this old nasty white table. (laughs) When you come to our house, I apologize people. Would you call it white anymore? No, it's not white anymore, but I, I literally cannot get rid of it because it's the white table that in Florida that I would sit down at every morning and just that table must have a million tears on it. And it's stained into this day. My kids see me every single morning when they come down the stairs and they still see me at the table and I will never get rid of that table because 
it's like that uh, olfactory sensation, sensory kind of thing. That it you, transports you to. It, it does. Yeah. It transports me. I can still feel the cool of the tile in that kitchen back in Florida. And I sit down and it's like, oh yeah, don't let me forget. We can feel that in our marriage and our marriage isn't perfect. And we still fight. I think we're better at fighting. We've mm-hmm. learned a lot. We've learned how to fight well. I think I came to a point where I realized I don't have to fight like this for any other relationship in my life. I don't have to fight like this for family. I don't have to fight like this for friends. But the person that I've committed my life to, that I should leave it all on the line. It should all be left on the field for that person. I think the thing that I would say to anybody is, you don't need the other person to love you back to know how to love them well. Say that again. Like you, that's good. Your responsibility to love your husband or spouse has nothing to do with their response to love you back. Wow. Like Jesus doesn't say, love my wife like I love the church so long as she loves you and respects you. He says, love is patient, and love is kind, and love is long suffering, all these things. And I think that the journey towards healing and a journey towards living life to the full in relationship with Jesus is about the transformation and surrender of your own agenda and looking a lot more like love. And when you do, as evidenced by Kelly, loving me well, when I didn't love her, when you do, the response on the other end, it will be love. So I can't think of a better way to close are you going to pull out donuts, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> Why, yes. Look at what I have Look hidden under bag. the table. Let's pretend to eat these donuts. I could now. seriously Shoot. go for a donut. That, that would be have been great. the best way to end. Oh, I didn't think of that. I, I think, could, could we just take a couple minutes and just spend some time in prayer? Literally praying for husbands, wives, marriages. The world is upside down right now and people are more anxious than ever, more triggered than ever. And uh, there's no clear example in that of what's going on inside of, you know, the person that you literally share your life with and help lead your family with. Lord, thank you that we get the opportunity to communicate with you. Thank you, God, that, that you still want to talk to us. You still want to communicate to us even when we are a mess. Thank you, God, that you don't leave us, you don't forsake us, that you see us in our dysfunction, in all of our brokenness. God, thanks for rescuing me. Lord, and I just pray for the men who are are listening, Lord, especially for those that are going through a rough time where they're doubting uh, their ability to be a good husband, they're doubting whether their marriage is gonna survive. Uh, They're doubting if you're even real, if you even care, if you're present, Lord. I pray that you would remind them that you love them, that you see them, that you've not left them, that you have not abandoned them. There is hope. God, remind them, though, that their hope is not in that other person, that it is in you. And I pray, God, that you would speak exactly to the spot in their heart, God, that needs to be spoken to. Pray that you'd offer hope and love, God, that you would redeem what can't be redeemed in their eyes. Lord, I pray that you would transform them in the way, God, that only you know how. God, I pray for the hearts of these wives, God, who maybe just feel really weary or really worn out. God, I pray that she would lean into your strength. God, that you you would fill the very deep parts of her heart, God, that, that her soul is longing for. God, I pray that she would put her husband in, in his rightful place, God, as the leader of their home. And God, that, that he would be someone that she could trust in to lead their family and to lead in their marriage. But God, I pray that she would not put him up so high that he would be Lord in her life, God, and that she wouldn't look to him to fulfill all the things, God, that, that you've planned to fulfill in her life. And so I pray for healthy 
relationships and marriages. God, I pray that she would communicate her needs well. God, that she would be able to verbalize things that she needs. And God, I pray that she would turn away, God, um, maybe from ways that are angry. And God, that she would be gentle and kind. And God, I know we don't always have that to give, so I pray that you would fill our hearts with that as wives, God, that we would be gentle and we would be loving. And I pray that, God, you would shift our perspective as wives, God, to see the best and believe the best in our husbands. God, and I pray just everywhere that husbands and wives would lock arms together and they would move together in the same direction that they would stop fighting on opposing teams, but God, instead they would lock arms, God, and that they would be on the same fighting team and moving towards the same goals and the same dreams. And so, God, we pray that you would break down walls and that you would restore homes and marriages and families. And God, we have hope in you, and we believe that you can do that. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Free and Light is a podcast of Seekwell Ministries. At Seekwell, we believe that life to the full comes out of an intimate relationship with Jesus. If you'd like to support this podcast, visit us at seekwell.org slash donate.